Welcome to the Legally Speaking Podcast, powered by Kasoon Carr. I'm your host, Rob Hanna. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by Jessica Hampton. Jessica is the owner and current managing director of CEL Solicitors. CEL stands for Celebrating Excellence in Law. Jessica founded the company in 2016, following 10 years experience in legal civil litigation at a number of top 50 UK law firms, as well as four years management experience. So a very big welcome, Jessica. Hi all, thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, and as we were speaking off air, we, we do start with our, our customary suits question, <laughs> which we had a lot of interesting answers to over the course of our sort of first and second season. Um, so on the scale of one to ten, ten being very real, how real would you rate the hit series suits? Okay, well, as you know, I don't watch suits because I feel have enough legal things going on to go home and watch that but I think with anything that Hollywood has a dabble in it's probably all looks a lot glossier than it is in real life and we all have names for our team so we've we've all called our names certain teams and our first response unit is called suits so it's definitely rubbed off on them they must think it's, it's really good so there you go there you go. There you go. So they'll give it a high. You'll give it a low. So we'll kind of score it at sort of four or five for you. How about <laughs> I just think, why would you want to go and watch more about law when you've done it all day? But hey-ho. Hey-ho, indeed. So look, before we talk about your um, your current situation where, you know, you've done so fantastically well with, you know, CEL solicitors, um, let, let's start at the beginning. So tell people a bit about where you were sort of born and raised and a bit about your background? Yeah, I mean, I'm not your typical um, director or owner of a law firm. First of all, I'm female. Second of all, I'm a millennial. And third of all, my background is, you know, I was I was raised on a council estate in quite a rough area of Liverpool. I'm the first in my family and generation to go to university. So <laughs> on paper, I shouldn't really be here. But What's really exciting now and why I really wanted to um, speak to you, because I think you gave a fantastic platform to the new generation of solicitors. And I think we're we're so diverse now. We're not all fit in this one traditional mold of what a solicitor has to be. So I'm really excited um, to, you know, lead my generation in um, a sort of higher position as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we're, we're definitely going to talk a lot more about that as our, our discussion unfolds. But in terms of you then, um, you've talked very openly about your background. Was was the legal industry always something you considered or how did you sort of get into it? Yeah, I mean, I think I came from that generation where a lot of mums and dads wanted a better life for their children. So my mum put a lot of emphasis on education. And thankfully, I was always really bright in school. Um, and she really wanted me to go to university. So we always joke it was either a doctor or a lawyer. I don't really like blood. <laughs> so a lawyer it was. I always had, um, you know, I really liked to arbitrate between people. Um, and I always liked to help people in the playground. Um, they called me Jessie Springer. I don't know whether you remember that show. Because it was all always mediating between people. So the shoe definitely fitted. Um, and it was something that I always had an interest in. 
as well growing up? No, absolutely. And look, it would be great for you to sort of articulate again before we get on to sort of CEL and all the things you're doing now, your, your, your journey before that. So, you know, talk, talk people through sort of some of your experiences and, and what you learned along the way. Yeah, I mean, my journey was horrendous and really, and it sounds silly, but I'm so glad that I had such a tough ride. And I was a paralegal for 10 years. I found it really, really hard to qualify. And I found it really hard to fit in. And I think for anyone who's going through a similar journey or a difficult time, please let me reassure you that that there's a purpose for everything. You might not realize it at the time and um, right now as it's all happening, but there's definitely will be a silver lining. So for me personally, a little bit similar to yourself, I just always worked in large corporate, you know, top 50 law firms. And I never, never fitted in. I, I really wanted to work for a small firm, but for some reason, I just never got the job. I always got the job in, um, large corporate firms and it gave me a really good window I think if I'd just gone straight in as you know partner or associate I just never would have had this window and insight of the job that a paralegal or a junior or admin do um, and their struggles and their journey because I felt that as a paralegal I was definitely taken advantage of all the hoops that you have to jump through to get a training contract and um, I was exposed to quite a toxic workplace where everyone was pitted against each other. Um, and that sort of window into it really made me realize I stood back and I thought there must be a different way and there must be a better way because this doesn't feel right and it doesn't feel good. And I'm pretty sure we can reach the same solutions and results but doing it in a better way. And that's really shaped my journey with CEL solicitors, which is a people before profits law firm, where actually it's not about the bottom line. It's not about the profits. It's about the people. Because I strongly believe that happy staff make happy clients, make happy profits. And in the three to four years that we've been open, we have seen that. And I think that's really gave me the tools and the foundation for why we're doing so well during the lockdown as well, because the emphasis is on the people. But I had to go through that journey, that terrible journey myself. So in the end, I ended up resigning um, from this sort of dream career. I was in, you know, a top, top firm. And I thought to myself, you know, all my family's really proud that I work at this firm, but something was missing for me. And definitely my mental health was suffering. I just wasn't happy. I didn't want to go into work um, every day. I saw other members of staff and team members, you know, in tears. I saw all sorts of bad things going on and I knew I had to get out of that. I handed in my resignation. I didn't have another job to go to. I didn't know what I was going to do. I actually took a year break from law and um, I ended up going back into it. But my role now, I don't fee in now. I do, well, I wear quite a few hats, but I think one thing that people miss sometimes about the law is they think, oh, you just have to be a lawyer. But actually what I'm teaching here and what I do myself is there's a lot of different things that you can do under the umbrella of law. So 
you know, we're building an app on our mobile phone, which you'd never think a lawyer would have to do. Management, bringing in business. And there's all different things that you can do under the umbrella of law that contributes to the law firm as a whole and to get them working as well. So I'm really glad that I got back into the law. I just knew I wouldn't get a training contract in the firm that I was in. And I actually went down um, an alternative route and I did the period of recognized training. And I was one of the first to do that. And it's basically a dissertation that you send off to the SRA to show that you do the equivalent work of a solicitor and they either say yes or no. You do need to demonstrate um, differences, which I had, including non-contentious. And as a result of that, I qualified myself as a solicitor. I had um, already set up CEL without qualifying. My board are all grade A solicitors and I'm actually the only one who isn't a grade A. But I think that goes to show that it doesn't matter about titles. It doesn't matter about experience. It doesn't matter what grade you are. You can still contribute and build something regardless. Yeah, no, absolutely. And there's some really good sort of snippets in there as well. And the one thing I want to touch on more is the sort of people before profits, because I completely echo yeah. that. Um, what what does that sort of mean in, in day-to-day terms for your people? You know, what, what what have you done to instill that culture? Give some sort of practical example of that. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing that we've done is create this brand new office and everything was designed with my staff in mind and with mental health in mind. So the people before profits is really investing in your staff, but authentically, because as me and you know, it gets banned. This these words get banned about quite a bit, but you know, they're just words; they're not acted upon. What I wanted here was I want I wanted a true and genuine voice for everybody, but I also understood that I had to make a safe environment where everyone felt safe to contribute as well, which is really important. So, culture is one of the most important things to get right in a law firm. However, it's also the most fragile. So it definitely took me a couple of years to get the culture right. And I think the best thing that we did was we sat down and we had a look at what is the company, what does it stand for, and what are our values? So our values are celebrating excellence in law, people before profits, and gratitude as well. And I think using those parameters is a good guide for every every decision that you make out of the firm. So in terms of why we are people before profits, we now have an amphitheater where we have twice weekly meetings with all of the staff. We always are transparent, sometimes probably too transparent with the decisions that we make. All the decisions that we do make are made at board level democratically as well, which I know because sometimes I'm outvoted on things. Um, and they're always discussed and explained to all of the staff so no one's in the dark. And um, we also have an anonymous suggestion box because if someone doesn't feel like they can speak freely, there's an, another way that they can um, get their suggestions opened up at board meetings as well. We also have monthly one-to-ones with the staff as well. So I'll carry out the monthly one-to-ones. So every single member of staff always has some FaceTime with the directors and within them one-to-ones and mental health check-ins as well. And they actually came about through our M&M meetings, which stand for 
mental health and mindfulness. So when we had um, Mental Health Awareness Day, we had a meeting about what we could do better as employers. And we realized that one session just wasn't going to cut the mustard. So we had weekly um, meetings until we got to a point where we developed quite a good structure. And now we have quarterly meetings. In those meetings, one of the suggestions by the staff was to have um, check-ins, to have a mental health officer, which we have already, but have check-ins as well. What are your stress levels? How do you cope with stress? Um, what's your caseload? How Have you had any difficult clients? How have you dealt with that? What's the support like from management? What's the support like from the company? We also have annual anonymous um, surveys from all the staff as well about what we can do to improve, what we're doing well, what we can do better. And I think it's great having a survey, but you're not going to get that support unless people know that you read the survey and actually you carry out the suggestions and that you take any suggestions on the chin. And I think from a leadership point of view, leaders should lead. And so you should always be the first one to do, you know, what you propose and what you say as well. And that's when everyone builds trust and understands and really invest in the company. I think it's con- culture is contagious. So they see how much that I've personally invested in the firm. And I personally care and invest about that into all the staff as well. And equally, the staff will personally invest back into you and back into the business. And I think those foundations, which take time, no one can do this overnight. And it, it's a collaborative effort as well. Those foundations of, is what have really held us up this huge test of the coronavirus. And that's why we are actually thriving and doing really well. Because when all these hard decisions came in about, you know, furlough and staff, which we haven't done, you know, what to do, when to send the staff home, to do work from home, I just, before I made any decisions, I sat down and I really, evaluated our values and I used them to guide us as the parameters to make um, all the decisions of the firm. And I think if you're true to your values and the staff know that, then everything else will follow. It's sort of like when you go to school, you know the teachers that care and you know the teachers that don't care. And it's it's the same in work. They know the managers that care and the managers that don't. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then thanks for sharing that. And I think in terms of Something else to to think about. There's a theme throughout our, our, our podcast season, very much around networking and sort of online networking, even more so now in the sort of COVID nineteen situation we're in. But you know, how do you go about day to day networking? Why do you think that's an important skill, or do you not in the legal profession? I mean, it's how we met, isn't it? We actually met over our bonds for the authenticness of people before profit. So I think LinkedIn's an amazing way to connect. Having said that, I've always been a little bit skeptical about networking. So I've been to some events that are just an absolute waste of time. And I think a lot of people like to just keep busy by saying, Oh, I went here, I went there, I networked. It really depends on the individual. You can go to a hundred meetings and you can go to one meeting. It's what you make of that meeting and what you put out there and the genuine connections. You know yourself when someone just copies and pastes a sort of hello introduction to you and you know when someone genuinely does their background and really does want to connect on a greater sort of level so um i do think it's important it 
all comes down to how you use the network and yourself. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think you're right because you can be busy, but it's actually are you being effective, um, effectively busy when you're actually attending or investing time in these and actually measuring the outputs. And I, I also find that actually it's the follow-on after the networking particularly event. You know, if there's no follow-up, it tends to lead to nothing. So it's actually one part of the action is attending. The other part of the key action is obviously following up and actually trying to, to sort of convert whatever you're trying to network around. Yeah, I think that some people just think it's really glamorous networking and um, going for meetings and stuff. And I think after you have several meetings in the fanciest restaurant with a bit of wine, it just sort of, it doesn't mean anything. At the end of the day, it's not about the steak that you're eating, the wine that you're drinking, or who can see you in your suit meeting with blah, blah. It's all about the actual physical, real connections that you're going to make and how it's going. You should always be thinking, how is this going to benefit me? How is this going to benefit the business? How is this relationship going to help the other person as well moving forwards? I think like on social media there's a tendency isn't there to like look a certain way and actually networking isn't as glamorous as sometimes it looks yeah no absolutely absolutely and you know tips you would give to young and indeed legal professionals throughout their their, their, their sort of experiences or the levels they'll be at what what tips would you give to, to to people i think the biggest tip is just to believe in yourself because throughout my journey and career you're going to have a lot of no's and it's it's that grit and determination of how you get through. So it could just be, you know, um, no's to your applications, no's to your training contracts, no's to ideas in, inside the law firm. And as long as you stay true to yourself and believe in yourself and, and believe in what you're doing, then you will succeed. No one gets it right or 100% the first time that they do something. And I think um, the problem sometimes with my generation is we're so eager to get to the top of the mountain that we forget it's a mountain and it's actually, you know, it, it does take a journey. You're going to fall down the mountain a few times as well before you get to the summit. So I think in this generation where everything's instant, I think we think our careers are going to be instant as well. And, you know, you're instantly going to be partner after five years and everything's mapped out. And your career just isn't like that. You just don't know what's um, around the corner. Me personally, I never thought that I would own my own law firm. So you just don't know what's around the corner. But one thing that is certain is that there will be uncertainty. Yeah. On the theme of sort of uncertainty and sort of changes, particularly in the legal sector, what do you think are going to be some of the, the biggest changes to the to the legal sector as a result of uh, COVID-19? That's an exceptional question. And I think there's always silver linings, whatever it is in life, in your career, whatever, there's always going to be silver linings. And I think with the COVID, finally, I think the law is going to come into the 21st century a little bit more. And that means flexible hours, that means flexible work, and that means working from home. That means the court accepting electronic signatures and, you know, the PBA account, just getting into modern times a little bit. And I think all those sorts of employers that I've spoke to um, and the other businesses that I've spoke to actually, um, they're finding that a lot of the staff are being super productive working from home that the hours are good that 
people aren't, you know, slacking what some people would fear. And actually, um, there is going to be a lot more flexibility when this is all over. I know personally, we're thinking about hot desking now. We're definitely um, considering the four-day week, you know, where you can take one one day at least a week from home, working from home as well. So thankfully, I think technology it will infiltrate the legal profession at last. Yeah, no, indeed, indeed. I think it definitely, it definitely will. And you know, one of the other things that is important, you know, it's probably an extension of culture and mental health as well, is is downtime. You know, you're the managing director of you know a, a growing business that's doing fantastically well. But, but what do you do for for downtime? One huge plus from all of this is I've had so much more um, family time. But at first, it was really strange because I sort of I'm always busy. I never stand still. So the first two weeks of lockdown, not going into the office, made me really go outside of my comfort zone. And I realized that I just couldn't relax, which is bizarre. So just learning to relax again. And once I did that, you know, because I'm always so conscious of everyone else, most really conscious of the staff, making sure that they have a good balance between um, the work and life as well, that sometimes... As the managing director, you forget to do that yourself. So one thing I'm really grateful for is just relearning to just just relax and enjoy doing nothing really. And as I said to you, I just took advantage of the sunny day on Monday and I I just decided to take um, a holiday that day and took the day off. So that's what I've loved about all this. Actually, there has been some silver linings. Yeah, and, and maybe for certain lawyers or, or legal professionals that have been placed on furlough, given the current situation, is there anything you would advise that they could be doing or, or anything you would suggest to them that, that, that might be helpful for them as part of their careers that's maybe not directly linked to their role, obviously, but things they could be thinking yeah. about doing? Definitely. I mean, so on the flip side of what I've just said, I think the whole point of why I couldn't relax is because it's so easy to keep busy. You know with the internet, with your emails on your mobile and with LinkedIn and other networking sites, there's always things that you can be doing. So I would use this time to, well, I would say work on yourself because if you work on yourself, you're always going to be better in your role as well. Definitely use this time. What I'm seeing now is new staff and um, new friends on LinkedIn. I've never accessed LinkedIn as well. Have a little go of our platform because it's absolutely amazing. I've made some brilliant connections. And um, all my podcasts have actually come out of um, my LinkedIn connections as well. Revise all those sorts of jobs that you put off. Go back to basics. One thing that I'm doing is I've printed off every single letter that we use in the whole firm and I'm rereading them because I hadn't done that for a while. So root out all the sort of cobwebs, go back to basics and just make sure that all the basics are the best that they can be. This is a good time now to do those jobs that you're always too busy or put off. Yeah, no, absolutely. And just on the theme of sort of giving back and, and everything else, I know in terms of some of your volunteer experience, you're an advisor, I believe, for the Merseyside sort of welfare rights. Um, do you want to tell us yeah. a bit about that and what that involves? This is something that I really, really advise every single person in the law to have a little go at because it really shaped 
um, me as a solicitor and the areas of law that I've picked to go in and specialize in as well. I think being a lawyer is all about giving back. So this was a placement that I was, I really, if I'm really honest, I thought, oh, it'll look good on my CV. I'll just do it for a week or so. And I just ended up staying there for six months um, and absolutely loved it. And I do have some ties to that. And I think one thing that's amazing is finding out um, and talking to everybody else about all the sort of charity stuff that they do do um, during this time. So that's something that you can definitely um, get involved in now with some downtime. People do need drop-in. People do need legal advice. Um, It's definitely something that just because the lockdown's happening doesn't mean that people's legal problems stop. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that was going to be my sort of final question. If this is to become the new normal, do you think it's still, you know, will the legal profession still be able to go forward? Is there anything you think may change drastically if this is to become the new normal? It's really difficult, isn't it? Because for all the successes, I've heard some really bad horror stories as well. And although I'm always of the mind that there's always a silver lining and the glass is always half full, I think it's really difficult as well with some things. Um, I think now we'll hold up big, ugly mirror to a lot of firms as to the corporate responsibility. I know myself that cash is king and that we've always kept a cushion and a reserve in, um, in the businesses where other businesses don't. And also, I think now I'm seeing an influx of CVs from disgruntled employees as well. So I hope that if this is the new norm, then there is more corporate responsibility and that the industry as a whole will get more into the 21st century with technology and maybe adopt some of these methods that me and you are talking about, such as the people before profits. Because I think law firms forget that their asset is their legal advice, which comes from their solicitors and paralegals. So that should be your best commodity. That that should be what you look after the most. And so hopefully there will be, if this carries on, then it will force the industry to look at itself and scrutinize itself a lot. And absolutely, I couldn't agree more, particularly on the, the sort of people before profits, which has been the theme Throughout this discussion, you know, I've always been of the belief that, you know, you should not necessarily treat your clients as your clients, of course, but, you know, your people are your clients. Treat them how you would like to be treated and treat your clients. And I think yeah. if you stick to that mentality, you'll go a very, very long way. Um, Jessica, look, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. I think you've been a very honest, open, humble, inspiring guest and shared some very, very clear insights on what people can be doing and giving them some hope as well in the in the legal sector. So I wish you, DEL solicitors, lots of continued success for the future. No doubt we'll see you appear again on the podcast in the distant future. So take care and, and over and out. Thank you so much. Health and happiness to everyone. Thank you.